Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now Podcast channel. Our conversation today will bring you up to speed on a range of developments within the Beltway and beyond. Joining me once again for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So Shane, welcome back. Happy Friday. Thank you for dropping by and looking forward to our conversation. Thanks, Dan. Good to be with you. Hope you're doing well. I'm looking forward to the weekend. Likewise. Thank you, Shane. And I know there were a few interesting stories this past week that we're going to bring our listeners up to speed on. And this one in particular caught my eye. The drumbeat seems to be getting louder this in recent days over the prospects of an invasion of Taiwan by China. We've spoken about this in times past, but it seems like we're hearing more about this recently. What has sparked this renewed concern and how has the U.S. been helping Taiwan prepare for the threat of invasion? Yeah, I think this concern has been in there for a few years, but you're right in the sense that it's really elevated. You know, China over the past few years has ramped up its uh, pressure on Taiwan, not only uh, political, but militarily. And this, don't forget, comes on the heels of China, you know, really acting with force in Hong Kong uh, just a few years ago. So, you know, going to Taiwan is, is the next step in their mind to, you know, fully unify China. Um, so, you know, what is the latest going on there? You know, opening a, I think it's twice a decade Congress of the Chinese ruling Communist Party. Um, uh, President Xi, uh, essentially, you know, he pushed the envelope here and started and started really talking tough here. You know, he said there's no uh, there is no possibility of winning. Uh, sorry, he, 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 he really projected that, you know, this is time to unify um, uh, China and Taiwan, and he's going to really uh, push this. And then, you know, after that, you saw U.S. leaders like Secretary of State Tony Blinken, um, you know, move up the timetable. You know, this is something that uh, we've been watching and, and, and the administration has been following and thinking that, you know, eventually China is going to make a move. And Tony Blinken now believes it's not imminent, but it's definitely uh, or it's likely to come before 2024. So, you know, possibly in, in the coming weeks or months that China is going to uh, act here to, in their minds, reunify the 23 to 24 million uh, people in Taiwan with the mainland. Well, this will be one to watch just given these developments in recent days. So thank you, Shane, for bringing us up to speed. Another geopolitical topic, and this ties into our ongoing coverage of the Russia-Ukraine war. The U.S. recently called for a Security Council briefing on Russian and Iranian drones, these drones being used against Ukrainian civilians. So what can you share with us there? Yeah, the intelligence is that, you know, um, that the, these Iranian drones are being used in Ukraine by Russia's forces, and it appears that they have uh, the Russians have deployed dozens of drones uh, that are uh, Iranian, and it, it appears that they weren't being used uh, properly at the beginning. So Iranians have actually gone to uh, Ukraine to uh, train up Russian soldiers and how to properly use these drones, which makes them more lethal uh, to Ukrainians and more dangerous. So, you know, this is 
obviously a provocation for them to be not only selling arms uh, to Russia, but now to have boots on the ground in, in, in essence um, is really uh, ramping up uh, their involvement and in, in siding with Russia in this um, horrific war. So, you know, I think uh, more to come here, uh, you know, as you mentioned, following up with the U.N., and, you know, seeing if maybe if there's additional sanctions to go on Ukraine, excuse me, Iran as a result. So um, this is a troubling pattern that, you know, I think also may push Iran further towards siding with uh, Russia uh, in, in the coming days and weeks ahead. Well, we'll see how this takes shape. And something else I wanted to bring up. This was really interesting out of the United Kingdom. Prime Minister Liz Truss announced her resignation, uh, effectively Britain's shortest serving prime minister. So what prompted this move and who might we see be elevated next? Yeah, no, this was uh, quick moving. As as you know, uh, I think she lasted about a month and a half as prime minister. Um, you know, she really lost the confidence of, you know, not only uh, the people in the United Kingdom, but her own party. You know, in her short tenure, you know, she tried, uh, she faced economic pressures and tried to, you know, um, put out maybe in her mind a bold plan with uh, tax cuts. But this upset the bond market um, and, you know, she retrenched. So, you know, it was just really a rocky uh, month and a half for her. And the pressure built up uh, so quickly that I think she had no no choice but to resign. Um, so now we're, uh, they'll be trying to expedite uh, the process to find a new prime minister. You know, with her coming in, it took a few weeks. I think they're trying going to try and do this in about a week and a half. Uh, probably the top candidate is uh, Rishi Sunak, uh, who used to be the chancellor chancellor of the exchequer uh i just love saying exchequer when i can by the way um (laughs) which is essentially their treasury secretary and you know um he has real experience uh with economic crisis and you know he kind of um saw the writing on the wall of what um liz truss's plan was going to do so i think that built him up some credibility to how to deal with the current uh, economic situation in the United Kingdom. Um, but he's not, you know, um, going to uh, get this unchallenged. There are others who are pursuing this, um, you know, even including Boris Johnson, who was, resigned right, uh, previous to Liz Truss. Um, and, you know, so it, we'll see if he can make a comeback, but I don't think uh, that is in the making. We'll, but, you know, um, as, as we've seen in the past month and a half, you know, it's politics is getting to be a little bit uh, crazy, not just in the U.S., but around the globe. So, you know, anything is possible. But, you know, I think uh, um, Rishi Sunak is the front runner, but others may come into play as well. Yeah, this was a fascinating development. Anything can happen is right. It's interesting to hear about some potential successors, including Boris Johnson, his name in the mix as well. So we'll see how this takes shape. I do want to come back stateside and note that President Biden has been on the campaign trail to support candidates in tight races across the country. So where exactly has President Biden visited recently, Shane? And what is collective polling pointing to as of today? Yeah, no, uh, you know, obviously with uh, 
the election just around the corner, uh, President Biden is lending a helping hand where he can, uh, but also, you know, where he's wanted to. You know, there are a lot of Democrats who uh, don't want to see them uh, see President Biden in their state or district right now. So, you know, he's uh, being invited places. You know, he just went to Oregon, where there's a tight governor's race. You know, Oregon is a traditionally blue state, so um, his appearance uh, c- could uh, benefit the Democrats there. He's also gone to Pennsylvania, which is, you know, kind of um, uh, his home in a sense because he was born in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And, you know, while he, he, you know, he considers Delaware his home, you know, there is that tie to Pennsylvania. Um, and that is that race is tightening up. The uh, Democrat nominee for the Senate um, had a healthy lead a couple of weeks ago, but that's tightened up. And I think that could be maybe the race to watch in the Senate to figure out who controls the Senate. Um, I believe he'll also be going to Florida in a few weeks uh, for fundraising. And I think he also just stopped in in Colorado, which is a, a Senate race that not many people are paying attention to. And while I expect the Democrat uh, sitting Senator uh, Michael Bennett to be reelected, it's tightened up. Um, you have a moderate Republican um, who has made some waves and made some inroads. Um, but I think this uh, this will help get uh, Michael Bennett across the finish line. You know, overall, we still believe uh, Republicans uh, have the advantage to take back the House. But the Senate is just getting tighter and tighter by the day. Um, I noted Pennsylvania is probably one of the top ones to watch. Um, you know, I think uh, other states to watch will probably be uh, Nevada, um, where, you know, that is maybe a top tier pickup opportunity for Republicans. Um, I do think, you know, you're seeing uh, polls consistent for J.D. Vance in Ohio, the Republican nominee, to win, but it's going to be uh, narrower than it probably uh, it should be. As you'll see also in that state, the Republican governor is winning by, you know, eight to ten points. So that shows you that, you know, um, J.D. Vance is underperforming to some extent. So, you know, uh, the, the Senate's a bit more of a toss-up compared to the House. Right now, I give Democrats just a little bit of an edge, but um, Republicans are coming on strong these last few days of the election, and it's going to be close. Yeah, some real competitive races out there, especially these Senate races. And it's interesting to hear about the stops on President Biden's agenda, where he's appearing and where he's not appearing. But we'll, of course, continue our coverage of the midterms in the weeks to come. Uh, Shane, thank you very much, as always, for dropping by the podcast and for keeping our listeners up to speed on a range of developments. I wish you a nice weekend ahead and looking forward to picking back up again with our conversation soon. Great. Thank you, Dan. Have a great one. Thank you, Shane. And again, today we've been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. The Washington Weekly Podcast is part of the UBS In The Now podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As a quick reminder to our listeners and clients, please be sure to reference the latest Washington Weekly publication, which can be located up on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.
As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.